You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Okay, so it is 2.40 a.m., so I'm clearly not doing super well with maintaining my strict sleep schedule, which is something I really need to get back on, but I felt really compelled to share that since I recorded my last episode maybe a couple days ago, I do still feel like I'm in this depressive episode, but I'm feeling a lot better. And I attribute that a lot to working out. For me, no matter how many different sorts of treatments, journaling, journal prompts, therapies that I have done or been introduced to when I do feel down, the thing that always gets me out of my rut most effectively is working out. And I shared that in my last episode, right? Um, Pushing myself to get out of the house and go for a walk or just be active or sweat a little bit. And so I wanted to share a little bit about my relationship to working out as both a way of healing, coming back in touch with my body, but also the fine line that I have to draw in working out versus overworking. And then, of course, my dangerous tendency of turning parts of myself into commodities, which I think we all kind of do as we exist on social media. But anyways... So I always was very active growing up. I was doing martial arts and dance when I was younger, fell in love with dance at a really early age, and sports were always something that my dad primarily pushed me into, um, usually beyond my comfort zone, actually. And athletics were something that were very prevalent in my high school days, too. I was doing pre-professional ballet um, throughout high school, mostly, and junior year was on the boys' varsity baseball team, more out of social protest than actually 
being at all good in baseball in any way. Um, and for me, working out was an outlet growing up, right? Dance was something I was obsessed with because it was a place to escape, right? Escape from maybe the abuse I was experiencing at home, honestly, like the dungeon of depression in my own mind from a really early age. And I actually wrote my uh, entry application essay to Harvard on dance because it really was and, and still is. Dance is this space where I I lose myself in the movement. And when I don't have the words to express myself, I find I'm better able to express or get that energy out of my body through movement. But when I was in high school, where I think working out started to have a tricky relationship with me is, you know, your body changes, your boobs come in, you get your period, you're bloating, you're in middle school and people start caring about your appearance, Um, you are in high school and in high school I feel like is when at least for me, social media became a daily part of my life where I was looking at the popular girls in school who everyone talked about for having a great butt or like having a great, you know, rack with their boobs and stuff. And I was teased for that growing up and I was also used for it by my own dad. Um, and I think that for me, then with that, the body changes, how body was so associated with popularity and social media, it made me really self-conscious about my body. And I think all of that wrapped up into then the complicated experience of living with PTSD. And so I have complex PTSD um, and I got some new vocabulary for it this past summer. So I have complex PTSD with dissociation and depersonalization. Dissociation is when you feel like you're, the best way I can describe it is when you just feel checked out, right? It's kind of what I talked about before, which is you feel like you're watching a movie. And I actually used to describe it before I had the language for it. When I would try to tell my mom or my friends about how I was feeling, I would say it kind of feels like I have these two parts of me. There's the shell that I live in, my body. And then, then I have this like, consciousness, this conscious Nadia being that always feels like separated from the shell of my body. And sometimes that consciousness is not actively participating in the present moment. It's sort of on like autopilot, right? Where I'm doing school and I'm doing the hustle of work and I'm growing and I'm having these conversations, but I'm not having great memory about them. Um, And then depersonalization, at least how I understand it, is when I don't even when I do feel in my body, I don't feel my body. And the way that this was most pointed out to me is when I was actually in rehab this past summer for trauma and stuff and a whole bunch of other things. And I tried somatic therapy for the first time. And the somatic therapist asked me, you know, do you feel your body? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm like sitting in front of you on Zoom because it's COVID and everything, but I'm, I'm here. Like, of course I feel my body, right? And she went, no, but do you feel your butt on the chair? Do you feel your back on the chair? Now put your feet on the ground. Do you feel your feet touching the ground? And I started to cry, and I feel really emotional talking about it. 
Because my honest answer was like, no, I don't feel anything. And it's like, I feel myself, I'm touching my hand right now. I feel myself touching my hand. But I think that then there's a part of my brain that's like, do I really feel that? Or is it that I know that I should be feeling something there, right? I don't know if I'm coming off crazy, but anyways, so complicated relationship with my body, both of, you know, being mad at my body for blaming myself for the abuse I went through in my body when I was younger. Um, at the age of 16, I was also in a really uh, abusive relationship where my body was really used and really hurt. So there was that anger I had at my own body. And then coupled with all of the pressure I put on myself to look a certain way, whether it be for popularity or for ballet, right? You have to have a certain figure. My boobs were fluctuating with birth control pills and I had a lot of issues with that. Um, And then at, at 16, I start this nonprofit and really had no imagination that it would scale beyond Portland when I started it, social media honestly wasn't even what it is today. It was this, it was in the days of when Instagram was about these heavily filtered filters. I remember I used this filter all the time called like 2X Pro. <laughs> I don't know if you remember it, but it was like super saturated and grainy. So I never imagined that like having that presence would be so much of like growing my thing, right? But it quickly became that, right? It quickly became networking on social, trying to build events on social, and then doing photography or photos for my first press pieces. And then I think I very much equated my work, which by the way, I hadn't at that point understood to be equal to my worth, my work with how my body showed up, how my body looked to other people. So a lot going on. And I don't know if this is going to make any sense. I'm hoping it does. So that's that. Like, that's my internal mind stuff. And then my physical stuff is the depersonalization and dissociation. I don't feel my body. I can't get back into my body. All of that came together into practices of self-harm. When my mind, again, was filled with everything to the point where I didn't even know what I was thinking about. I didn't know what I was feeling And then you feel numb and I don't feel present. And I feel like I can't snap out of this cloudiness in my head. So even when I was on stages giving TEDx talks and giving these speeches about finding my power, which in many ways I had, in many, many ways I had, feeling power in my potential and passionate about what I was doing, I would get home, try to put my work away, and go back to that feeling of like an empty, sad shell. And I would hurt myself um, with cutting. And it wouldn't be until actually this past year that I also, while in rehab um, and actually before, you know, the treatment noticed my sort of disordered eating, like kind of checking out and then filling myself with food. And I think it kind of has that, that the element of numbness being directly related to like a feeling of emptiness. And then that emptiness feeling like I needed to fill it with something. And for me, that was food. But now you also look at how 
then I feel really full and bloated. And so then I feel like I have to work out. And it's just this never-ending cycle. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We've partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. So complicated relationship with working out. For me, working out was also what saved me from my self-harm practices of cutting because it was one of the few ways I could bring sensation back to my body. I could bring sensation back to my body, um, you know, in a way that wasn't, you know, cutting, (laughs) which just wasn't that. Um, But then I had to put strict strict boundaries around it. I couldn't go to the gym at 9 p.m. and work out for two hours at night, stay up all night, and then try to do school again, right? So I had to kind of develop these more healthy boundaries. And for me, my sweet spot now is like, I need to work out once a day, whether that's 20 minutes of stretching or an hour at the gym, that needs to happen. But I really, really try to push myself to not work out more, like aggressively, more than one hour a day. And for me, that's just like how I get out my energy. And I actually learned, uh, you know, in learning a lot about PTSD while I, uh, this past summer and everything, that that when you're you have that trauma response, right, the fight or flight mode. Um, the example of a deer was always brought up, right? A deer is like super scared, or a dog is scared, and then they're running away from danger, and then they stop and they shake off, right? And that's them like expelling the nervous energy from them. So to me, like that literally is what working out is for me. I feel all of this pent up anxiety. I don't know what I'm feeling, and then I work out, and I don't let myself work while I'm doing it, unless I'm doing like DMs on social, and. It's just this release of that, right? So the other added complication to this is um, how my body then became commodified as my biggest source of income. Transparently, um, my biggest source of income for the last few years has been doing modeling and shoots and being on stages and speaking. And I think because of that, I convince myself and tell myself, yes, I need to work out. But when I feel like I don't want to, I tell myself, no, it's part of work. You have to. This is how you are going to support yourself. This is how you're going to support your life. Right. Um, And so I'll say I'm not actually going to end on sort of the positive. Oh, I figured it all out because that's not the case. Honestly, um, I think for me, it's sticking to those boundaries. And this last year has been life changing and just being more aware of my eating habits and everything. And also trying to have those check ins for myself. And, you know, medication has really helped too, which is something I'll talk about later. Um, but it's just been this really incredible experience of actually pushing myself to have these like little pause moments and be like, oh, I really need to go work out. And then I'm like, okay, wait, why am I going to work out? Like, is it because I really feel like I need to expel that energy? Because for me, that's fine. Then I'll go do a little bit of an elliptical thing for like 10 minutes. But if it's like, oh, because I feel big and I ate too much and like I'm going to lose all of the money and all of that. And that's a genuine, that's a whole other thing that I'll talk about later is like I really struggle with uh, mindset around money. It was a big source of emotional manipulation when I was growing up. 
that's a tangent though. Um, but I think that for me, the thing that I'm really working through right now is like maintaining that working out is just for me and not for work. Right. And working out for me is my self care practice. It is my ritual. It is the most maybe religious experience I have. And for me, treating my body well is my way of reclaiming my body because for so long, my body was mistreated and I thought that that's what my body deserved. And for me, when I work out and then I feel the muscles in my butt the next day working as I walk down the street or walk around my apartment, like it is those small things where you're like, yeah, I'm strong. Like I'm getting through this. So work in progress, but lots of progress. I will say that. And then lastly, I will say the biggest thing that came out of, not the biggest thing, but one of the big things regarding like physical uh, working out and everything um, out of rehab this past summer was yoga. When I was there, it was also the pandemic, so we couldn't go anywhere really. And so there weren't the daily usual activities that they would have, like going to the movies or going to the beach. Like we had someone who did yoga on Zoom or did yoga there. And Lotem, who's actually the teacher who um, I'm still connected with on social media, like she changed my life because I had always avoided yoga of like, oh no, that's what like rich white moms do. Or like, honestly, that's what you do. But when you don't have the energy to do like dance, right? So I really looked down upon it and I didn't really look at it as that full body workout. And I remember my first session with Lotem was like, I was sweating, dripping sweat onto this mat and I got out and my body didn't hurt, right? Usually I would run and I hate running. I have bad ankles and I get out of yoga and I just feel like good, like still in my mind, but then also like so um, at peace and feel strong in my body and it's a full body workout. But then, of course, my workaholic mind then goes out of rehab. Oh, immediately. I need to keep this up, so I'm going to be a yoga teacher. So then I start this nine-week intensive yoga works, like, teacher training program, and I'm now a certified yoga instructor. My rule for myself for that is that I am going to be a yoga instructor, but I will not let it be a source of income or a career move. And I feel very fortunate to make that decision but I am really passionate about yoga. And I think a lot of it is because like, it is one of the few things, even when I'm working out, I let my mind wander. Yoga is so much about balance that you cannot let your mind wander because you will fall over. Right. And it's about the practice and the technique. And I think I miss that focus on technique from my days with ballet. Um, And so, yeah, I'm obsessed with yoga and I teach free yoga once a week um, for the community we're building in August, which I care deeply, deeply about. And it makes my day every single time we host these yoga sessions because it just feels healing for me selfishly, but also like I see the faces, oh, I'm going to cry. I see the faces of the people who show up um, after yoga and I don't know, I just feel like there is this bigger smile or just like a calmness in, in their being, um, that just makes me really happy. And I think that I grew up thinking mindfulness, quote unquote, was not accessible. Mindfulness was when you had money and could relax and sit back and afford a lot of Lululemon. And now I'm in a place where I can do these things, um, for free and I have access to yoga and I, um, 
you know, I sport my Lululemon from time to time. Um, although, you know, I'm all Adidas diehard, of course, of course. <laughs> um, but I would say that for me, that's my rule. So those are the restrictions I'm kind of putting around myself. Healthy limits of how, when and how I work out. And I love yoga. It's life-changing. I recently finished the book Body Keep Score, which really talks about PTSD. And yoga is a really big part of that. Highly recommend that book. It's a bit triggering because it really goes through trauma. But it it is really, really eye-opening. And then, so yeah, working out daily. That's my practice. It's not everyone's. And I hope you get something out of this. And I hope you come do yoga with me. Um, You can always send me a DM and uh, I will send you the Zoom links. And my promise to myself and to all of you is that I will keep it free. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.